Hey. Hey. What's up? Nothing. How's, it's raining today. How's tricks? It is raining. It's really gross. My neck hurts. Mm. Thanks, weather. It's disgusting. It's humid. Yeah. I, I, At least it's not as hot as yesterday with the humidity on top of that. Yeah, yesterday didn't really feel too bad here. I know. It said it was like 90-something, yeah. and I didn't feel, it didn't feel like, especially with how humid they said it was going to be, it didn't feel like it. It wasn't that humid. It was hot, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't terrible. Like, I was okay. Like, I just had the ceiling fan on, and it was totally fine. Um, oh, let's be careful, though. We don't want to ramble too much, um, because this is my favorite haunting. The, Welcome. The Rambling Podcast. Oh, According to our new plethora of one-star reviews. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I just, I changed, I don't know if you guys have noticed, I changed our description to include the rambling factor. So, um, you know, whatever. I think pretty soon I'm going to have to change it to the worst podcast on the internet. I mean, that'll bring in some, I mean, I feel like curiosity at the very least, right? Like the worst, <laughs> how bad could it be? I don't really think that that's true. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> we're certainly not the best, but I, mean, I think we're okay. Yeah. I think, I mean, I might be biased. I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah. So we're my favorite haunting. I'm Ames. I'm Mel. This is episode 29. 29. 29. I don't have anything that rhymes with 29. Yeah. 29. Toe in the line. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Um, I didn't write notes, so I don't know where I'm going from here. Uh, oh, we have, okay, our Go Name Yourself contest. Yes. We set a, oh, you don't know this, <laughs> but we set a deadline, like a date. We had set, well, we had said the last episode, but I just put July 31st. Mm-hmm. I tweeted it out the other day, so. Oh, yeah. I thought we said something about that. Episode 30, oh, we had said. Okay. But I just, you know, because if listeners don't get to listen to it that day. Yeah. Um, so July 31st is our hard and fast deadline for your submissions. And then we'll gather all the, the suggested names and put it up to a vote. You guys will all vote on it. Cool. And that will be what you will all be called forever and ever and ever and ever. And our rolling Hills ghost hunt, August 26th, there's only four spots left. Hurry up. Sign up. So I'm, Putting that deadline as, oh shit, what did I put it as? Oh, I just put ASAP. But let's say August 10th. So the deadline to submit for the ghost hunt would be August 10th. So a little less than a month. Yeah. Um, because, and that's because there's um, a registration form that has to be filled out and sent in. Yes. So we want to leave enough time for, um, I think her name is Sharon, the owner, uh, to have that have all that information available. Um, so that's all of our housekeeping stuff, I think. I think so. Did I miss anything? No, I think those are the only two things we got going on. I hope so. <laughs> we got it going. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Backstreet Boys? One of them. I don't know. I think, I think it's Backstreet Boys. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so stories today. Stories. I think I went first last time. Do you want to go first? I can go first. Cool. It's, it was disappointing. Oh. But I mean, it's okay, but it was a little disappointing. Cause I thought this was like, 
this is interesting. I have never heard of this kind of place being haunted. So I was like, cool. I'm suddenly reminded of Disneyland. <laughs> this kind of, it's an unsuspecting haunted place. Unsuspect. I forget how you worded it. Something like that. Something like that. So I did the Maxwell Street Police Station in Chicago, Illinois. Why wouldn't a police station be haunted? I don't know, but I've never heard of one being haunted. I have. Oh, okay. (laughs) Anyways, continue. So, um, it was built in 1888 after a major increase in population. Um, Chicago at the time was heavily populated with immigrants and, um, most of them settled in this area around Maxwell street. Um, it was dubbed the terror district by a local reporter. It was extremely poor with substandard housing, few parks and poor sanitation. In 1906, the Chicago Tribune called the district Bloody Maxwell and the wickedest police district in the world. So it was pretty bad around there. They needed a police station. I would guess so. And over the years, um, some of the nation's most notorious criminals were housed in this station. Al Capone, of course, and then Sam... Giancana? I don't know. I've never heard of him, but apparently he's famous. I don't know why you're looking at me like <laughs> I, I have I, any I didn't know if you heard of him or not. <laughs> um, the station's history is rife with rumored happenings. Dozens of prisoners who fell down the two flights of marble steps to the front desk. I mean, those steps are really tricky. Yeah, I know. Uh, reported beatings on the kidneys with phone books. And sudden and numerous deaths of perfectly healthy inmates. Those are the rumors. The, hmm. fact, the facts are not rumors. much better. Um, there were 31 cells that were built in the basement. Um, like, there was a, a crime wave type thing, and they needed more housing for the people they were arresting. So they built cells in the basement of the police station. So there's 31 of those. Four of them were for women. And um, those were built in the 20th century, during which officers at Maxwell wrote up a murder a day. That's scary. And that's not the whole city. That's just that district. Yeah. For half a century, prisoners in the station's cells urinated, vomited, and bled into troughs dug from the floor. Mm. The refuse flowing under the cells of the convicts next door. Mm. So it would just like... Go down the line. All go down the line. So, uh, needless to say, rats and disease flourished Mm -hmm. down there. And it said the walls grew black and blue with graffiti, so I guess they would like write all over with pens. Pens? Pens, different kinds. Because of in the turn of the century, everyone carried a ballpoint pen. I don't know, like <laughs> that's the only thing I could think of would be black and blue. Or what, is it a metaphor? I don't know. Maybe I, like the rivers run red, like the walls turn black and blue from like all the beatings. I don't know. That's what it said. <laughs> um, 
The city finally sawed the bars off the cells in the uh, 1970s. Like, it was decommissioned as using as holding cells and stuff like that um, before that. But, like, there was rumors that it was still being used and stuff. So they, like, cut all the bars out so people couldn't say that anymore. Mm They also have another theory about why they cut the bars down later. Um, Around 1960s, it changed from a district station to a detective headquarters for the fourth area. And in 1996, the station was admitted to the National Register of Historic Places, ensuring it would not be torn down. In 97, the police station... At at the time in 97, it was the oldest police station in the city at 100, at 110 years old. It closed down until the University of Illinois Chicago campus uh, took it over for their university police headquarters in 2000. And two other little tidbits, the facade of the building was used for the police station Hill Street Blues. <laughs> and currently it is used for I don't know if it's just the facade or if they use some of the interior also but for Chicago PD they use mm. at least the facade I in some some of the, the accounts it was sounded like they used the inside too but then one of the things said just the facade so I'm not sure I feel like typically they would just use the outside and they would use a set for all the interior Probably. shots. That was a cat. Okay, so that was um, pretty much all for the history. I there, there wasn't a whole lot of history on the actual building itself. Most of it was around the district. So um, we can go on to the haunting. So reports of blood-curdling cries seeping from the basement windows, like from the outside... People can hear, like, walking by, I guess, hear that. Visitors say they've heard screams coming from the basement, along with moaning, crying, and the sounds of rattling handcuffs. Mm. Now, this is where it gets a little disappointing. Because I came across a paranormal researcher named Ursula Boleski, and... Everything I came across about her, about this police station, talked. most of them talked about her. Because mm-hmm. apparently her dad either used to work at this station or he had friends that worked at the station. But she would stop by with her dad. And, like, um, was it called the watch sergeant? Is it, that's what it called? The person that's at the front desk? Sure. I don't know how Chicago does things. I don't know. Um, I don't think I wrote it down. In New York, it's the desk sergeant. Uh, the sergeant on the desk. But, okay. I mean, what, well, I, I was just making sure that I actually got the, like the, the their title more than like. Oh like, yeah, well that's yeah. I don't know how Chicago does it. it. I mean, it could be anybody really. Okay. But typically, it'd be a sergeant. I think. Okay. Um, so. Her dad would take her with him. Would he go and talk with the sergeant at the desk? A watch commander. That's what it, That's what they called it. So apparently her dad and the watch commander would, like, 
talk about old happenings at the station and they would talk about like what's going on in the basement. Hmm. But she never gave any details. Like the most details I got was, um, I would go there and sit on the watch commander's desk and I would listen to all their stories. And oftentimes they would talk about the lockup in the basement, which was notorious for the deplorable conditions that prisoners were kept in. And they would talk about how still in in the 1970s, they would hear screaming and moaning from the basement where those prisoners had been kept. And that is it. No more specifics. Hmm. But like everywhere it was like, they would talk about this all the time. Like it was like a major thing in her childhood. Like she'd go there with her dad and like they'd have these conversations all the time and no details. It was disappointing. So there was one other story. It's not exactly at the Maxwell Street Station, but it's it was attached to two different accounts of the station where what I came across. And it happened on the street outside. I think it was across the street. The I'll just read it instead of mm-hmm. like going into details first. So it's about the lady in black. I forgot I had two stories about the lady in black. The first one, it says the lady in black hails from the earliest days of the Maxwell station, betrayed by her 19th century period clothing. And um, the country was introduced to this kindly specter through television's Unsolved Mysteries, which documented the rescue of a motorcyclist in the Maxwell Street area by a mysterious black-clad woman who saved the stranger and vanished into thin air. Paramedics testified to the incident, adding to the credibility of the tale. All of that's true. I looked up the episode of Unsolved Mysteries that this was this this was this story was featured on. Everything was true except for it was in Acton, Indiana, not in Chicago, (laughs) Illinois. No. So whoever like came across this heard Lady in Black and like must have already known about the Lady in Black near Chicago and just like oh and not realized where this was located. You said Indiana. Yeah, Acton, Indiana. Because you know Chicago's right on the border of Illinois and Indiana. Oh. Well, but Chicago is like in this like No, Ma- I know. I but- thought Maxwell was like kind of like in the middle of Chicago. And if ever anyone is interested, it was season eight, episode twenty six of Unsolved Mysteries. I was just curious if Acton was also on the border. Oh, I have no idea. I didn't look. Well, I'm looking right now. It's not. It's by Indianapolis. So they're way off. Samsonite. (laughs) Exactly. Way off. So, uh, yeah. But, on the other hand, there was a very detailed account from a Chicago police recruit from the 1960s who had an encounter with a mysterious woman outside the local, outside a local eatery at Maxwell Street. So I think it was a restaurant that was across the street from the police station because he was 
Uh, so he was about 20 years old, and he was enrolled in the police academy, which was located right near the Maxwell Street Police Station and the Dan Ryan Expressway, which if anyone knows Chicago, that will give you a clue to where, where this place is. I have no idea. I had been, uh, oh, this, this is in his words now. I had been attending the academy for several months and was taking lunch with two other academy students. As we entered a small restaurant in this area, I remember a white lady dressed all in black clothes. Her dress reminded me of someone from the 1800s. And the reason I mentioned her color is because the area was basically a black neighborhood and seeing a white lady in this area made this individual encounter even stranger. Now, as I stood in the entryway to the restaurant with my friends on either side of me, this lady in black came up to me and looked right into my eyes. Without a word or hand gesture or even a facial expression, she somehow communicated to me to hand her the pen and small notepad I had in my upper left hand shirt pocket. I did just that without knowing exactly why. She took the pen and notepad and wrote something into the notepad. Then she looked at me and shook her head in a gesture of no, no, no. She handed me the pen and notepad and left abruptly. I looked into the notepad and noticed what she wrote. My name, my date of birth. And then I also realized that it was in my own handwriting. I quickly turned to my friends and asked them, did you see what that lady just did? They responded to my question as though I was crazy. What lady? Oh my God. <laughs> they acted as if nothing unusual happened and we went into the restaurant and had lunch. While this strange little encounter stayed with me, I felt she was telling me to leave this career in order to save my life. I'd be out. I love stories from cops mm -hmm. because, and, and right now, the majority of cops have a bad rep, but um, they you have to pass a battery of psych mm -hmm. tests. So while, yes, some people do slip through the cracks, um, they do weed out things like schizophrenia yeah. or like, you know, um, dissociative disorders or things that would cause somebody to hallucinate or, mm -hmm. you know, pathological liars. So like the stories from people in that profession tend to be a little bit more reliable. Yeah. And, but it, I feel like it, they're also rare for one thing, because you don't want, I'm not going to tell anybody this. They're all going to think I'm not so going to lose my job. Yeah. <laughs> so, and also I've, I feel like they sometimes they have like more detail, like more information than from other people too. I don't know if you've come across that. Yeah, because they're trained to investigate, so they have that, you know, that yeah. I um I found the I found the police station on Google Maps. It's um marked as University Police now, but it's on the corner of West you said Maxwell, right? Yeah. Yeah, West Maxwell Street and South Morgan Street. And it's um, like a couple blocks over from I-90. Which sounds so weird to say. I know I-90 goes across the entire United States, but <laughs> even yeah. like when I was in Washington and there's like, you know, we took 90 from like Seattle to Spokane <laughs> and I'm just like, it's so weird. I'm on 90, but yeah. I'm not in New York. And there's no tolls. <laughs> yeah. The only tolls on 90 are from 
Is there one in Chicago? I feel like they're only in New York. I feel like the whole rest of the country, there's no tolls on it. I think it stops in Buffalo. Yeah. Like, that way. Yeah, Buffalo to um, Albany, or just past Albany to Massachusetts. Yeah. Fucking New York. (laughs) And that was all for the uh, Maxwell Street Police Station. Where their inmates uh, still hang around with them. I mean, I feel like it'd be hard to get anything on that also because it's a police station. Yeah, I mean, well, since it turned into the university police, I thought there might have been a little more. A little more. Like, I don't know what university police I do. Mean, but... I mean, at my college, our, our UP were state. Mm. So they were like, I mean, they weren't troopers, but... They They were like a branch. Yeah, like they were real police. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Or they thought they were real police anyway. I don't know. It is is a state college, so maybe. So that might be the... I mean, they have all the same powers and everything. So, um, I mean, it still might be just as secure of a facility. Maybe. Well, I mean, really, it should be if they're arresting. Well, yes, (laughs) yes, but I mean, like, I don't know. I watch too many movies. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not like that. You hope, though. You always uh, hope. Yeah. So, mine might be also disappointing. Um, so, I went on my first cruise last week and discovered that I'm definitely more of a resort person. <laughs> um, I just, you know, Yeah. Not, I mean, it was all right. You can't get away from anyone. It w- no, it wasn't even oh. that. No, I mean the ship was huge. Like okay. I couldn't find people. Oh, okay. <laughs> at some points, but it like there's very much. It's not like you can't really. I felt like I couldn't do what I wanted to when I wanted to. Oh, like okay. I was still adhering to somebody else's schedule, and if I wanted to go to the beach, I had to, you know, book something and then be out on the pier at 8 a.m. And I'm like, oh. I'm on vacation. I want to, what if I want to sleep till 10 and then go to the beach? But yeah, then I miss the, the ferry to the beach. Oh, so, okay. um, like that kind of thing. Like if I could do it more my schedule, yeah, then it'd be fun. Like, cause it was cool. Like my room had a balcony that faced out over the water and like, so I could sit out there and eat my breakfast or I could sit out there at night and you know, the nights were clear and like, that was fun. Like you mm-hmm. just have the water and like, it was really cool to look at and just see, like, nothing. Just <laughs> blue sky and blue water. And, you know, there were some things that were fun about it. But I just think overall I'm more of, like, a resort person where I can sleep till I want. And then yeah. walk down to the beach and, <laughs> you know. Anyway, one of our stops was in Nassau in the Bahamas. And so... Somebody had told me about the Queen's Staircase. You have to go see the Queen's Staircase. It's so amazing. You have to go see it. It's totally worth it. It's not that far of a walk from the from the um, the port. And, you know, you're totally fine. And I asked around, and the consensus was, no, Nassau is totally safe. You're totally fine to go walking around. Yeah, you're good. I'm like, really? Because this place is like a half a mile or so. Like, it wasn't that long of a walk. But, mm-hmm. you know, I would be leaving the, like, the main tourists, like, the that one block of tourist Arian. Yeah. No, no, no. It's totally safe. It's totally safe. So quick travel tip. If you ever go to Nassau, 
if you go past, so there's like, you come out of where the ships dock and it's a pretty small port. It only holds like, I think like two ships or something, but, um, there's like a strip that runs parallel and it's got like all like the tourist trap stores with like Mm -hmm. all the tacky like souvenirs and stuff. And then there's some restaurants and then I think you can probably go like another block back and there's like some other like higher end stores. Like there was like a Gucci store. Mm -hmm. Um, but any further than that, (laughs) it takes a turn (laughs) real quick. And I was going to do this by myself, but two people in my group were like, oh no, well, we're going to go see Nassau too. Let's go together. And like, you know, are you sure it's a little bit of a walk? And they were like, no, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. We want to go. Okay, cool. I have never been so glad I had people with me (laughs) because I might not be sitting here talking to you. Um, It like, not that like at any point I overtly felt threatened, Mm -hmm. but there was always that kind of like, so it was me and um, my friend's brother and his girlfriend. And the first thing I noticed was that nobody would talk to the women. Mm -hmm. They would only talk to him. Okay. And he didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> and I'm all like jumping in like, oh, blah, 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 blah. But they like nobody would answer me. They would only focus on him. And I'm just like, well, fuck you too. Like I know that there's like a cultural difference, I'm sure. Uh-huh. But at the same time, like yeah. the fuck away from us then. No mm-hmm. one wants to talk to you. So, um, but I really feel like if I had been, you know, a woman traveling alone, mm-hmm. I might have been in a little bit of jeopardy. Um, like the neighborhoods, just like everything was like in like deterioration buildings were burnt out boarded up um one house we walked by smelled like straight up decomp ew so like either there's dead animals in there or there's a dead person in there i don't know and there's like you know cars on cinder blocks like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing um but so um for future reference there are tours that go there but I wasn't going to book. We had spent the whole day on a beach somewhere mm-hmm. else and we came back and had a couple of hours. Like there wasn't time to book a tour and I only wanted to go see this one thing. Yeah. So anyway, so we were walking there and as we're walking, we noticed, we start to notice like limestone is everywhere. Yeah. Like everything is limestone. Like, um, those little, uh, um, those half walls oh, kind of yeah. like that people put like, like fences, but their walls, like those were all limestone buildings were made out of limestone. There was this one church we passed and I thought I took a picture of it, but I guess I didn't cause I couldn't find it, but it was starting to kind of crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and so like all the paint was off of it and stuff and it was like limestone. <laughs> so I'm like, there's no way this, in- th- there, this entire Island has to be haunted. So, um, Maybe <laughs> because there are a lot of places that come up on like, oh, haunted Bahamas, haunted Nassau. Yeah. But every description was, this place is haunted. This place is known for activity. Yeah. But abs- like yours, like absolutely no details, no <laughs> accounts, no personal experiences, no investigations, nothing. But there were a lot of cool stories. So... The first thing, so the Queen's Staircase, uh, it's, it was built, construction on it began in, I think, 1793. It took 16 years and 600 slaves to hand carve this through solid limestone from the ground down. Um... Oh, I think when we were talking about it earlier, I told you 60 feet. It's 102 feet. So it basically, it was, they have, so Fort, uh, 
Fort Fincastle is on the other side of it, like on one end of it. So mm-hmm. it was basically, it was, they needed an escape route mm-hmm. if they were attacked. Yeah. So they built this to, you know, to get to the fort and to see it in person is amazing because like you walk down this really long staircase and then you're standing at the bottom and you look up and it's just, it's kind of narrow. I mean, it's why it's maybe like 30 to 50 feet wide or so. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's narrow in that, like, it's really long and really tall. Yeah. So you stand there and you look up and it's just the sheer stone face. Mm-hmm. Like, for 100 feet. <laughs> and it's, like, solid limestone. And these got 600 slaves hand- did this by hand. Mm-hmm. And um, it just... And now, like, there's, like, palm trees and, like you know, like greenery growing in it. Like you walk in and it feels like you're like in a hidden temple in the jungle somewhere. <laughs> like I'm like, Oh, it's, we're in Indiana Jones now. Um, and then next to the staircase is this waterfall mm-hmm. also. That's pretty, um, kind of intricate. It's got like all these little, I took pictures of course. So like I'll post them, but, um, it's like, it's a man-made little waterfall and it's, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but, um, but again, like solid limestone. And when I started researching it, there's a ton of links that come up listing it as haunted, mm-hmm. but there's absolutely no, like, how is it haunted? Who haunts it? Like, you know, like, I mean, I would imagine that like out of those 600 slaves that, mm-hmm. you know, worked egregiously, like, is that the right word? Probably not. Horrendously. Inhumanely. Yeah. <laughs> Take your pick. Um, but for 16 years, you know, like, yeah. Um, but there are absolutely no accounts. Just, just listed as haunted, and it's called the Queen Staircase because a few decades after it was completed, um, they named it in honor of Queen Victoria, um, who signed the Declaration to abolish slavery, up, like upon her ascension to the throne in 1837. So it was like as soon as she hit the throne, she was like. No more slaves. Okay. Um, so that's the queen staircase. So they're like, absolutely, but very cool. Yeah. Um, I hope that doesn't count as rambling because, you know, it's related, mm-hmm. even though there's no ghosts. Um, from there we go to Harbor Island. Um, and it's simply called the haunted house, <laughs> but it's also known as the Glen Stewart mansion. Okay. Uh, there's approximately 1,567 different versions of this story. That's hyperbole. Um, but there was a bunch of different versions of the story, but the things that stay the same are, uh, a fan, either, either a couple or family moved into this house, home mansion. Uh, they move into this house and the, for some reason, they leave. So the accounts vary as to, I could, I also couldn't find a year for this. It sounded like maybe the forties, but either they had an argument and she left, or I found another version that said that he left for medical tests and never returned. And then the family disappeared. Okay. And then, or, (laughs) or they just disappeared. Mm -hmm. Um, but regardless, um, the family just disappeared, was never seen or heard from again. Nobody knows why or how, or, Mm 
mm-hmm. you know, where they went or anything, but everything was left exactly. It looked like it looked like they just stepped out for a second. Mm-hmm. Like the table was set for dinner. The food was out and cooked and everything like they were about to sit down for dinner. Um, clothing was still there, like all, you know, mm-hmm. um, and this place might be haunted. <laughs> I mean, so that, like, I thought that that was like, you know, that's like an eerie story. Um, there's, um, so this was, this was sometime in the forties. So I was wrong earlier. It's sometime in the 1940s. So no exact year, but that's your time frame. Um, so maybe like 20 years or so later in the sixties, a shipping magnate from Greece bought the property for his new wife. Mm-hmm. So they moved in and then she <laughs> refused to stay. She left. She refused. <laughs> she said, it's so haunted. I can't live there. But again, like no specific, the only accounts that I could find were, um, some people have seen two figures in white floating around the house, like through the house or on the grounds. Um, but you know, nothing specific. No, I couldn't find any investigations or anything like that. Um, after that couple left in the sixties, the building had since, since the, the building had since been damaged by looters and by fires. Um, it's now open for visitors. There is a sign for a gift shop. (laughs) <laughs> but there is no more gift shop. Okay. So like the sign is still there, but like <laughs> it looks really cool because it's like dated, mm-hmm. but it's all like faded and peeling and stuff. And there's no gift shop. <laughs> uh, so that's on Harbor Island. And then the last one I have, this is a shitty episode. The last one I have is the Eden Brown estate in Nevis. Um, this one's a little juicy. This one's cursed. Ooh. So the estate was established in 1740 by James Brown Sr. as a sugar mill. Uh, his daughter, Elizabeth White, ended up with the property uh, towards the end of the century, like in the 1790s. Um, and then shortly thereafter, sold the property to Edward Huggins. He grew the sugar mill into a full-fledged sugar plantation, in preparation for marrying off his daughter, he went all out, made the place even grander because he wanted to impress. So she was, they had arranged a marriage between her and a son of the Maynard family who were, they were, I mean, they're both wealthy like they're mm-hmm. both disgusting rich and they like, own, you know, plantations or whatever. Um, so he was trying to impress the Maynards. Um, so he just like, he went all up and just did all this crazy shit to make it all fancy and everything. <laughs> so this is another one that has a few different versions to it. But um, basically in 1822, um, that's when the marriage was going to be. So it was going to be between Julia Huggins and Walter Maynard. So on the day of the wedding, there was some kind of dispute between Walter and the best man. Some accounts claim the best man was Julia's brother, John. Mm-hmm. Most accounts claim it was her brother, John. But the, because of the variations, so like over what the dispute was over, um, it was either... The best man was having an affair with the bride, which if that was her brother, that puts a whole other 
spin on it. Yeah. Um, or he was having an affair with someone else or Walter was having an affair with one of the slave girls. Um, and then another, so there's like, most of them are what somebody is cheating on somebody. Yeah. And then, um, one, which is probably like more accurate is that, um, because the Huggins were known to have, they had a reputation for treating their slaves very poorly mm-hmm. and they had, uh, what was his name? Edward. He had been brought up on charges years before this. Mm-hmm. Um, for his inhumane treatment. So that was another theory was that the, uh, the dispute was over the Huggins's treatment of the slaves. Um, so they, they go off into the courtyard to have a duel. So allegedly they, the, they went out there and they were saying that they were just going to shoot their guns into the air just to like let off steam. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm making faces. Yeah. I don't, (laughs) that doesn't people from that time did that. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, but that's not gonna like shooting a gun into the air is not gonna be Sam. like you'd you'd let off more steam like punching a wall or something, you know? Yeah. Like it's not it's not it doesn't give you that physical release. I don't know. I've never shot a gun. So they both shot each other. <laughs> nice. And they both died. Um, so after the deaths, the mansion was abandoned and Julia lived out her life in solitude, either by choice or because her father forbade her to marry anyone else. Well, I mean, he sounds like a lunatic, so (laughs) he sounds like a control freak, Mm -hmm. just a, a bad person. Um, so, but the mansion was abandoned and went into like disrepair and like the plantation just kind of fell apart. And, um. So this one actually has, I mean, of course I couldn't find any specific like accounts, like I couldn't find any personal accounts, but, um, the locals believe that the land is cursed. Mm -hmm. Um, they say that they hear women, a woman scream and wails and crying. And then on nights when there's a full moon, so like everything's well lit and you can see like in front of you, Mm -hmm. um, they have seen a woman who they presume to be Julia, uh, sitting on the steps of the house wearing a tattered wedding gown. So mm. you could write this off to local lore, except um, it's also has been, but then again, you know, there's no personal accounts, but camp um, tourists mm-hmm. will go and camp there and they've reported the same thing. Mm-hmm. They hear the screams and the wails and the crying and they'll see her. If it's a full moon, they'll see her sitting on the steps in her wedding dress I don't, just that image of that gives me chills to my spine mm-hmm. like so that's on the island of nevis um i was gonna do blackbeard too <laughs> because he like he went you know he went around the bahamas but mm-hmm. or the caribbean that area um but his hauntings are reported in the carolinas Oh, okay. he, that's where he was killed was in the oh, Carolinas. Okay. So maybe next time I was going <laughs> to do it, but it, well, I mean, it's another thin one. Oh, mm-hmm. Like it would have fit in nicely here, but it like Too far away. Yeah. Location wise <laughs> didn't really fit. So, so those are the, that's, those are the, that's the haunted Bahamas. And if you ever get to Nassau, 
be careful. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you take a cab, I read that you should negotiate the fare before you leave because they can, they don't use meters and they can charge you whatever they want. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the best thing to do is to find a tour excursion and, yeah. and book through a tour company. Um, but that, that staircase, I'll post the pictures with something to, I mean, to think that by hand. Yeah. It's, that's insane. So, sorry for this kind of watered down episode, but there was really no rambling. Can't. So, we can't get a one star for rambling on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can't always hit a 10 with every haunting. No. Well, it's out of five. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Warrens don't investigate every haunting we do. No. Not definitely not. But see, don't you think it's boring without rambling? I think it's boring without rambling. It's definitely short. Or maybe that's just our stories. <laughs> I think it's both. These these they would Yeah. I'll do better next time. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Um well we've got the go name yourself contest. Get your submissions in by July 31st. Uh, if you want to come ghost hunt with us at Rolling Hills on August 26th, get email us, myfavorithaunting at gmail.com, or DM us on any of the social media um, ASAP, because you want to get that paperwork in by um, August 10th. And yep. we're doing that on the 26th. So, I mean, I think those are all of our announcements. Yes, and there's only four spots available left for the hunt. Only the hunting. four. So, uh, get them in quick. Um, yeah, and I think that's it. And I want to give a shout out to Laura, who is at San Diego Comic-Con this weekend. I'm really jealous. The Russo <laughs> brothers are there too. Oh, I'm so jealous. I hope she's going to that panel or uh, by the time this airs, I hope she went to that panel, <laughs> but she, uh, She's going to um, hand out some of our stickers and cool stuff while she's there. So that was really cool of her to do. Thank so you, Laura. I just wanted to, yeah. Thank you, Laura. And thank you for being patient because it took me forever to mail those things out. Because <laughs> I haven't been home. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Rate, review, subscribe. Yes. Join our group on join Facebook. Our, join our Facebook group. My favorite haunted group. That's what we're called. And uh, follow our our Facebook page, our Instagram, our Twitter. And this is getting painful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And that's it, I think. Right? Yeah, I guess. We're going to... We have one more episode after this, and we're going to take a little break, but we are going to post a bonus episode with um, a couple of viewer mails. Cool. So keep you guys occupied and that's it thanks for potting with us yes thank you occupying occupying keep you occupied keep you occupied <laughs> i don't know i was trying to make a funny joke about that but it's not gonna work a pun sure it's that thing